Morning, church. Hello, my name is Armand. I will be giving the message today. Hallelujah. Welcome to our online viewers. Woo. Well, we just finished our series, uh, The Blessed Hope. I enjoyed that. I'm uh, excited. Excited for the coming of the Lord. Okay. Let me just read to you uh, uh, Peter, Second Peter. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the heart of God. If you're a believer, if, you're, if you have Jesus, you're saved, you're secure, you have that blessed hope. But of course, his heart is, get as many as we can. All right? So this next series really talks about that. And like what I, uh, like a few weeks ago, I said, we're ready. If Jesus were to come today, you should not be worried. You should not be thinking of what should I carry, what should I do. No, you should be ready. We're ready to go. But while we're still waiting, we occupy and we diligently do the work. The mission continues. And this series is about that, about continuing living, in the, living the mission. Like what it says here in Peter, God's heart is that no one should perish, that everyone or should, that all should come to repentance. So that's what we'll do. We'll get them if they want, all right? And we'll do our best. Amen? It, uh, the Christian life, as, uh, like, what, like what I've just been mentioning, we have this blessed hope. It is a blessed life. It has its privileges. It has uh, a, a lot of good things uh, in it. Everything being in Christ. In fact, in Ephesians, being in Christ means that you're already blessed. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You're forgiven. You've been adopted into the family of God. That makes you a child of God. You are accepted or highly favored in the beloved. All of that is the identity that we have we are in, when we are in Christ. But we also have responsibilities. And this is one of them. To continue the mission. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16, this is one of our responsibilities. And it reads here, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor, they, they, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When Jesus spoke this to his disciples, which we find in Matthew chapter 5, which is also known as the Sermon in the Mount, it is really a great, uh, uh, a great compliment for them, for Jesus to say that you are the light of the world. But it was also a great responsibility to be a light in this world. I don't think we need to explain that further. We just look at the news. Today, the world is getting darker and, dark, is getting darker, and darker. All right? Just look at the news. And that's why the responsibility as the church, as individuals, as believers, is that we become the light of this world. In short, we should be seen, we should be distinct from the world. There should be a difference. We should know what is right. Okay? Well, today, the world calls right wrong and wrong right. We should be the one that really knows what is correct and what is right. Amen? So before I get, uh, go on further, let's just pray. All right? Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, what we have in you, what we have in your Son, Thank you that with all the blessings that you have given upon us through Jesus Christ, you have also given us this responsibility. So I just pray, Father, that, Lord, may we 
take it upon us and may we, uh, um, as we walk this life in your Son, I pray, Father, that you continue to help us, guide us, and let faith arise within us. In Jesus' name, amen. So like what I said earlier, this, the, or when Jesus told his disciple that you are the light of the world, it is really a great compliment to hear, but it's also a great responsibility. All right? In fact, this responsibility of being a light in, uh, light in the world is such a great responsibility that even John F. Kennedy uses this passage when he made his speech in the House of... Uh, let me read my notes, okay? When he made a speech to a joint convention of the General Court of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, he uses this passage, and he says, uh, and this is the line that he used, that we shall be as a city upon a hill. And that's where we, we got that, uh, and that's where he got that from, Matthew chapter 5. And what, and what uh, John F. Kennedy, the newly elected president back in 1961, was saying is that the task ahead of him, or the task ahead for him to put together an administration is one that is great, and, it is, and, and he needs all the help that he can get. It's a great task to form a new government. So he quotes this from Matthew chapter 5, that we shall be as a city upon the hill, or upon a hill. But he was not the only one. He actually got that uh, speech from another John, a person by the name of John Winthrop. He is a Puritan leader who was aboard the ship Arbella back in the 1600 who was about who was sailing to New England to establish the second colony so even John Winthrop was giving a sermon or a speech to the people on board that ship telling them that we have this great opportunity to establish a new colony but it is a great task and we would be considered like a city upon a hill and here's that second part and the eyes of people will be upon us. And church, it is the same for us. When we say that we are Christians, when we say we're believers, that we follow Jesus, it's the same thing. We would be like a city upon a hill, and the eyes of people will be upon us. Whether you like it or not, people would be watching you, people would be observing you, people will observe how you think, how you speak, and how you act. They will, always be looking, they will always be looking at your attitude and your behavior because you're saying that you're a Christian, because you're saying that you're a light into this world. And, and, and sadly, some of them will always be looking for you to make a mistake, right? You probably experienced this already. Once you make a mistake, they, they take their opportunity to mock you and say, all you are is just words. You are not a man of your action. All right? And that's why it is a great responsibility when Jesus told the disciples, it is a great compliment for, the, for you to hear that you are the light of the world. But it is also a great responsibility for Jesus to say that we are a light unto this world. Amen? So the question now is, then how then do we produce this light? If we are called the light unto this world, then how do we produce this light? So that's like what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A city, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So in order for us to understand how we produce light, we go back to John chapter 8, verse 12, 
we go back to the source of this light. So John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says this. Go ahead. He, then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If you are a Christian, meaning you have received Jesus, then you have received the source of light. Amen? And once you receive him, then you now have that source of life within you. And that's why it is a great compliment from having, when you have the source of this light, then you now become the light of this world. But it is a great responsibility now. Jesus gives us this light, but how bright we shine, I believe, is our responsibility. And I believe that's why Paul tells Timothy to pan the flame. Once you receive Jesus, you have this light. Now, it's up to you. It's our responsibility how bright we can be. So I, I used this example earlier. How many can see that? Doesn't bother you, right? Not, doesn't bother you. Doesn't even do anything. We can be this bright or we can be this bright. Right? Can be that bright. That brightness is our responsibility, how we become that bright. We can be this bright or this bright. Amen? So help us God. <laughs> Amen? So just like John F. Kennedy and John Winthrop, both of them, as they used this passage, they understood that this task of being a light, of being a city upon a hill is a great responsibility. So they ended their speech really with, Lord, we need all the help that we can get. Amen? So how do we produce this light? Well, this passage tells us. It's really simple. It says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's it. It's that simple. If we continue to follow Jesus, then the light that we produce will continue to shine brighter and brighter. And if we don't follow Jesus, then I guess we will, or we will be dim. I guess that's how we say it. So how then do we follow Jesus? I got three, uh, three words for us today on how to follow Jesus. So how do we follow Jesus? How many of you remember that, um, that band back in the 90s, the WWJD bracelet? Hopefully, I know probably some of you are still wearing it. You know, that was, that's a great reminder, right? It's a great reminder to, uh, it's the acronym for, if, for those of you who are much younger and don't know what it is, it's an acronym for what would Jesus do, WWJD. It is not a website. I, I, well, you can look it up. It's in the website. But it's not a website. But it's a bracelet that people worn back in the 90s. And it's, uh, it has that WWJD. It is a great reminder for us to do exactly what Jesus would have done when we're facing situation. Say, for example, you went to the store. You bought uh, $14 worth of merchandise. And you gave $20. Then the cashiers uh, gave you back $36 or $34. What do you do? What would Jesus do? If you have to look at that bracelet, you really do need some help, okay? <laughs> the, 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 what is the right thing to do? Go back to the cashier and say, I think you overpaid me. I think you might, you might have thought I gave you $50. See, that's what those brace, bracelets are good for. It reminds you what would Jesus have done. Be honest. Be truthful, correct? That's what Jesus would have done. See, the challenge with that bracelet is this. What would... How would you know what Jesus did if you did not know what Jesus did? Okay? So, so how do we follow Jesus? The first thing that we need to follow Jesus is right here. 
the Word of God. You need the Bible. The Bible has given us uh, what Jesus has done. In fact, in the, uh, John wrote that if everything that Jesus had done would have been written, there would be so much books written about what he has done. But he kept it to four of the gospel. But of course, this entire Bible is a compilation of the heart of God. And of course, Jesus came to show us what God's heart is, the heart of the Father. So how do we follow Jesus? Well, we need this. We need the Word of God. And it's a responsibility. That's why I said it's a responsibility. This falls on us to read the Word of God. How do we follow? Okay? There's so much things here. This is 66 books. I know this is a great responsibility. But when we start reading the Word of God, uh, we need another, per another one. Like what I said earlier, we need all the help that we can get. And thank God that God did not leave us without any help. He gave us what? He gave us the Holy Spirit. So to follow Jesus first and foremost, you need the Word of God. You need to know what Jesus did. You need to know what, he, uh, what He's saying. You need to know what He's doing. See, to follow Jesus is really, uh, uh, is to be like Him, to know how He thinks, to know how He speaks, and to know how He acts. And if we do that, John 8, 12 tells us that if you follow Him, we do that. We follow the way He thinks, He acts. Uh, he speaks and he acts, it says that our light will shine brighter and brighter. So the next thing that we need as we, uh, as we have the word of God is the working of the Holy Spirit. So it tells us here in John, it says that, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. To live this life, to follow Jesus, we need a helper. And he has given it to us. He is called the Holy Spirit. He is also called the the, the truth or the, uh, the advocate, he's got many names. But his main purpose is to really to help us to live a life that will glorify God, glorify Jesus. He's given us the empowerment to live. Amen? It tells us here that he will teach us all things. Many have, uh, have associated the Holy Spirit of only helping us when it comes to the Bible. No, it says what? All things. He's not just there to help us with church. No, He's there to help us in all things, meaning everything, all things. Your finances, your married life, your children. Well, you think about it, He knows what to do. In fact, in Proverbs, it says that, that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit being personified as wisdom in the book of Proverbs, it says that He was there at the beginning during the days of creation. So the one that, so if you would go to the one that was there during creation, I'm pretty sure he knows what to do because he's dealing with life here on earth. Okay? So we need the working of the Holy Spirit. So how does this work? When you read your word and you come across passages that, uh, and, and it tells you that this is, the, this is the way, that's how the Holy Spirit works. See, the Holy Spirit within us is always doing a work in us. It's called sanctification. Okay? Uh, the easier word is he's continually transforming us into the image of who Jesus is. That's the work that he does. He's, oh, he's constantly doing that. He's constantly uh, trying to transform us and more and more into the image of Jesus. But if you don't read the Holy Scripture, because everything that uh, Jesus is, is here in the Scripture. So that's why you need the Word of God to follow Jesus. And when you start doing that, then the Holy Spirit can work. He can begin a work of sanctification, which is really the word, the word, the other word for sanctification is holiness, which is to be separated from the world. 
And that's how you become a light when you are separated from the world. So he will begin that work. And, and then thirdly, when, you, when you're faced with that, and this is uh, very important, then you need to come to a point where you have to surrender your will. Amen? And this is the third one. To follow Jesus, you need to surrender your will to the Father. Like what I said earlier, Jesus, if uh, everything that Jesus did would have been written, it would be so much. But this is the summary of all Jesus did. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Okay? I can, I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said was right here. It was in total surrender to the will of the Father. Amen? And that's why if you're wondering why is it that Je they said that Jesus is God and he knows everything, then why is it there's instances in the Bible where Jesus had to turn and say, who touched me? It was because it was God's will for him not to know who touched him so that it could be written in Scripture. That's it. This is really the entire thing of what Jesus... When Jesus lived on earth, this is his main thing. His will was surrendered to the will of the Father. He came to do the will of the Father. Amen? And that's how we are to follow Jesus. If we're to follow Jesus, go ahead, the next, uh, next verse, please. If we're to follow Jesus, uh, the recap, we need the Word of God. We need the working of the Spirit. We need to submit to the working of the Spirit. And then we also need to surrender our wills to the Father. Amen? And if we're to follow, just like John 8 says, if we follow Him, it says that we, have, we would have that life or light of light light of life within us okay now next verse so it says in john 1 4 it says in him was life and the life was the light of man if we would follow the life of christ his example and how he did his life here on earth it says that then we would have that light within us okay and i have to include uh, our church and this is the testimony that god has given us eternal life and this life is in the sun that's how you live you live your life in the sun okay not in the church not life in the sun church but living it in jesus amen so that's how you follow jesus and it says here that as you follow him your light will be brighter and brighter amen let me end with a testimony and i'll show you how this all works god is always in the business if we would just follow him allow the working of the Spirit to work in us and submit ourselves to the, to the will of the Father, God will be the one to put us on the lampstand so that the entire house can see our, our light. Um, amen? Let me end with the testimony. Uh, a few sermons ago, or in one of in my previous sermons, I shared how I was able to lead my mom three weeks before she passed away. I was able to lead her to prayer to receive the Lord. When I, when I shared that testimony, some thought that I had a very good relationship with my mom. They thought that I was really close to my mom, that I was able to do that. Well, the fact is, no. I did not have a close relationship with my mom. So let me bring you back uh, to, to my story and to, uh, so that you can see. There, there was a turning point in her life for her to actually listen to me. 
you probably heard this before. I was adopted just like uh, Marianne is my sister. We were both adopted. We're, I was adopted at the age of five. Uh, I first got to Guam at the age of nine. Okay. I was, uh, yeah, nine. Um, the person that I call mom is actually my mother's sister. So I call her mom because we're in Guam, we're English. So my biological mother, I call nanai, which is just really a uh, Tagalog word for mother. Okay, mom and nanai, okay? So I got two sets of mom. So my mom adopted us. We got here, I was nine years old. But at the age of 13, she sent me back to the Philippines because I was too much to handle. That's her word. You're, you're causing too much trouble. Go back to the Philippines and continue your, continue your life there. So I went to high school in the Philippines. I went to college in the Philippines. I dropped out of college, wasn't, wasn't enjoying it. And that year that I dropped out of college, she came, home one, she came home that summer and she confronted me. She confronted me along with, so it's my mom, along with my nanai and another of her sibling. So three of them <laughs> confronted me. So it was a very intense uh, conversation it was so intense that there were words that were said that should have not been said. Okay, let's put it there. But at the end of that conversation, I, uh, I had to say, Mom, okay, can you give me one more chance? I will go back to school and I'll, I'll, I'll finish something. So I did. Two, uh, uh, two years later, I finished a vocational. So after finishing a vocational school uh, class, got a certificate, I called back. You know, I realized I need life. I need to get a job. <laughs> I need to get a life. So I called back, I called my mom, called her back and said, Mom, I'm ready to come back. Uh, I'm, I'm finished with my school. And her answer was, no. What are you going to do here? That's the short version. No. Okay, what are you going to do here? So how did I get myself back here? Marianne brought me back to Guam. She, she with so much prayer, <laughs> with much prayer, she brought me back to Guam. And then for about a year, so I got back to Guam. Then Marianne, of course, being my older sister, being the right, doing the right thing, she said, let's go visit mom since you're already back here. So I said, no. Why would I want to visit mom? She didn't want to see me. See, that was me. So why would I want to see her when she doesn't want to see me? But then a year later, I got saved. And what did I do? I did the life in the sun way. Got plugged in the church, life in the sun. I read my Bible. I allowed the working of the Spirit to work, to sanctify me, to change me. I surrendered my will to the Father, okay? The turning point for my mom that I was able to share with her, uh, to share with her I believe, happened about five or six years ago, or it could even be eight. But in one of my visits to the Philippines, I was talking to my brother. I still have other siblings in the Philippines. And we were just talking about life, you know. I said, talk, he was talking about life. I was talking about life. I said, my priorities are a little bit different now. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And out of that conversation, he tells me, you know, Armin, your mom has seen and witnessed how you have changed. It was him that my mom talked to. My mom never told me, but we are like that. We are like a city upon a hill, and every eyes are upon us. People are observing us. Whether you like it or not, people are observing us. Whether you like it or not, they're looking at you. They're looking for you if you... If, the way you speak, the way you act, the way you think, your, your behavior, your attitude. It was, my mom has been observing me. She didn't tell me, but she told my brother how I have changed. And I believe that was the turning point for her that when uh, a few months ago when she, she was in the hospital, 
I, I was, she was ready to receive and ready to listen to me on what I have to say. So, church, we preach the gospel in action and we preach the gospel in words. Amen? We are the light of this world and we are like a city upon a hill and every eyes will always be upon us. Amen? So let's glorify God by living a life in the sun. Okay, we can plug that in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> As I've been saying, this is a great responsibility for us, so we need all the help that we can get. So let's just pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for this life. And Father, thank you that in the times, if you can just put your hand on your heart, I just want to pray for us as a church. The, as I've been saying, this is a great responsibility, and I don't say that lightly. So Father, I pray for us, Lord, as a church. I pray for us as one you have given a responsibility to be a light unto the world. And I pray, Father, Lord, whatever it is, Father, that, that you're doing in us as we continue to read your word, as you continue to do a work in our lives, as you continue to separate us from the world, I just pray, Father, that, Lord, we would surrender our hearts. That, Lord, we know we have this stubbornness in us. We know how the flesh works in us. And I just pray, Father, Lord, you would allow us to surrender to you. You would allow us to surrender to your will. And I pray, Father, Lord, we will not disappoint. I pray, Father, Lord, as we continue this life, this life in you, this life in your Son, I pray, Father, Lord, we would impact this world, that they would see. And if they look, Father, I pray that they would see. They would see the light that is shining upon us because we have you, that because we are following you. So I pray for us as a church. I pray, Father, you continue, Father, to help us continue to do a work in us and continue, Father, for our faith to arise up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Let's just pray one more time and we're dismissed. Father, thank you. Sorry. To, uh, it's okay. The church is about prayer. All right? <laughs> Father, thank you. Uh, I pray that you would bless us as a church. Continue to protect us. Protect us from the evil one. Protect us from the attacks of the enemy. Protect us from this virus. And I pray, Father, Lord, we would walk continually in your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're dismissed, church. Have a good week. And I'm rising up with ya, rising up with ya, rising up with ya, rising up with ya. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with ya, rising up, rising up with ya. Yeah.